1: Digital Stratosphere provides expertise and best practices to help.
0: As we talk a lot about here at Third Stage, it's absolutely critical to select the right partners and to really understand the roles of each partners within your implementation or overall digital transformation project. So with that, I am very excited to welcome Amanda to our conversation today. So Amanda, can you tell our audience just a little bit about who you are, your background and your role here at Third Stage? Yeah,
1: of course. Uh, thanks for having me. I am Amanda Patton. I am a director here at Third Stage. And I'm relatively new to this role, um, but I have been working with Third Stage in multiple capacities as a senior consultant and a manager for the past three years, three years and some change. Um, I come from the software vendor side um, where I did industry manager work and then also uh, analyst relations. And so I've got the advantage of getting to see things from all these different, you know, Uh, Vantage points, but as a director at Third Stage, uh, one of my main mandates is to um, leverage and grow our relationships with um, partners out in the ecosystem and uh, from a PMO perspective. And um, so, yeah, it's it's a very interesting um, role to be in, and we are directing the work, I guess. So we're assembling the team, we're scoping the projects, we're selecting. Um, you know, partners, the client actually is selecting the partners, but we're helping them, advising them on uh, selecting not only the software vendor, but the partner who's going to help them implement it.
0: Absolutely. And well, first and foremost, congratulations. And thank Thank you you so much for joining our our great team here. Um, I know you've been on some of our podcasts and in our thought leadership for a while now, but it's very exciting to welcome you formally um, as you are now kind of a leader um, on the third stage team. So we're very fortunate to have your your background. And as you mentioned, you have this unique perspective on being on both sides, from not only being on the vendor side of the business, which we have a variety of team members that were also understanding and having a deeper understanding of those advisory or alliance services. Um, and those relationships with partners that are, say, independent or technology agnostic, like third stage, or just the overall partner yeah. situation and um, and perspective. Uh, so, you know, with that, knowing that kind of your situation, how important would you say from a top line, is it to understand the roles of each partner yeah. within an implementation project?
1: Um, There's nothing more important
0: (laughs) from my perspective, because if you don't
1: plan um, and really sit down, slow down, take a breath um, and plan, do the planning on the front end or you're going to kind of pay for it later. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But regarding the question you just asked, it's very important that we all have a very clear scope. And I understand as third stage where my lane is. You understand as the vendor where your lane is, as the system integrator, um, so that we aren't competing or creating more work for the client, um, and just also so we have a seamless project. You know, we have we have a, a, a clearly defined scope of work, which of course is flexible as the project moves forward. Um, but I say that if you skip that part, uh, you know, there's just going to be a lot of confusion. Um, and maybe infighting or even competition that just doesn't need to happen. At the end of the day, we're all on the same team. We have all agreed to work hard together toward the outcome, which is a successful implementation for the client. Um, And so we've got to check our egos at the door and come in and all decide which parts of the project we are in charge of. Um, And then you need that type of that PMO, you know, vision that over that kind of overarches and ties everything together. So, I would say it's critical.
0: Absolutely, and you know, knowing um, what each role does is super important too. So, say you are you know working with a client that's really in their phase zero era of planning their digital transformation. They're kind of just laying the groundwork, which is where we always recommend engaging an independent um, digital transformation coach so that you really can get into the strong foundation of project planning. So what are some, um, some considerations you need to keep in mind when, quote unquote, interviewing potential implementation partners?
1: The first thing I think is just kind of the obvious, are they experts in that system? Um, do they have references? Do they have a good reputation? Have you talked to people who they've implemented for? Um, How did it go? Um, So that's obviously, if we're interviewing anybody, a contractor for something at our house, like we're we're gonna wanna talk to people, how did they do on your bathroom repair? (laughs) So that seems pretty obvious, but then um, you need to look at things like budget. You need to look at timeline. You need to look at cultural fit. Uh, Do we get along? Do we work well together? Uh, Do we all respect each other? Um, And I would say also part of the cultural fit, I guess a subset of that would be, um, you know, the client is in charge and people forget that, you know? Um, And it's important and we're always reminding our customers, our clients, um, this is your implementation You determine the timeline, you determine the pace. And so making sure that you've got a vendor and a system integrator um, who is respectful of that and who will work with you instead of, um, you know, forcing timelines or products or things that you may or may not um, be on board with. So for me, I think those are the, you know, first of all, do you know what you're doing? (laughs) How good are you? How good are you at implementing the system? And then people overlook the cultural stuff like a soft issue, like something that, oh, you know, it's whatever, we'll figure it out. It's really important. It's really important.
0: And understanding kind of, I think a lot of misperceptions around that is you actually do have choices. Um, so can you talk about kind of options that you have when when looking at an implementation partner? How should you consider kind of making sure that you understand the landscape of the space and what partners you should look at engaging? I
1: mean, you know, our favorite line is it depends. Uh, yeah. But it depends because it, there are some systems like you know, well, I don't want to name names, but there are some where you have partners, you have an implementation partner on every corner for said system. Yeah. So your, your search may be a little more overwhelming. And so for me, I think you need to um, get references and get referrals from people in your industry um, that you talk to. And that happens all the time where people are references or we, you know, It's like, okay, you're a mid-market manufacturer um, and you implemented this and you guys used this partner and they did a fantastic job. I would rather go on something like that um, than go out to the market and tell me and see what the marketing materials tell me who the top three implementers of that solution are, right? I want to talk to a real person who's done that. So that that would be one thing. Um, I think also having a third party involved, whether it's third stage or someone else, um, to make sure that you have someone who is advocating for you, who has your back. Um, you know, I'm not saying anybody's malicious or trying to be a bad person, but like we all have self-interest that we're serving out in the world and vendors want to sell more software and implementers want to implement more software. Um, and so it's important that you've got somebody in the mix that will give you honest feedback. Um, and again, I just, I think word of mouth and talking to people. And a lot of times it's very interesting because these uh, C-suite, you know, these executives that we work with, they will reach out to people, um, peers, competitors even, <laughs> and, and, and and have conversations, you know? And in that conversation, they're usually gonna get the, the good, bad and the ugly. Um, but I'd much rather have, the, you know, a real live example um, than going to some ranking system out on the Internet um, that may or may not be true. <laughs> and just because they're the top implementer for that solution doesn't mean they're the top implementer for your organization. I think it's really important to talk to people in your industry around your size who may, who may need some of the same nuanced secret sauce type of stuff that your business is going to need um that's my that's my two cents
0: oh yeah and you said so much in there um it's i always call it a watch back so if you are watching definitely take that back and take it step by step but there's, there's so much good information in there. One, you know, understanding that everyone has an agenda. Um, and I, I love how PC you are too. Like, you know, everyone has an agenda. Their, their job is to sell you software. Their job is to implement. That's how they make their money. That's how their business model runs. So no, they're not terrible people, but they do have an agenda of what that looks like. And we talk a lot, and it, the example of you gave about kind of the different Um, entities within the industry, we have D365, Microsoft Dynamics D365 or 365 as number one on our top 10 ERP systems. So there's a lot of great things about them. Another kind of drawback behind them or an issue we see is just the consistency in the marketplace because there are so many third-party resellers and you really need to make sure you get the right partner that not only fits your requirements, your needs, has the experience, um, and then also that referral muscle or that referral network that you really can engage and flex upon. We have a lot of businesses that we may work with through a PMO project that their direct competitor will then call us up and say, Hey, we're looking to do X, Y, and Z. And we're like, wait, we thought though you guys didn't like each other. And, but knowing that you have that industry experience and that expertise in a similar business is just so critical to ensuring that 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 all makes sense. You know, one thing I really wanna kind of dig into that you touched upon um, and expand upon is the cultural piece of it. And you had mentioned that that is kind of a soft metric. You know, if you have all of this extensive experience, but it may not be a culture fit, is that a huge red flag? Or is that just kind of a consideration that you say, "Mm, they may not jive with our team so much, but they do have check all the boxes on the technical side. What's the balance there? It depends. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Look, if, if you, first of all, I have to be honest and say that it is not consistent. You might have a fantastic implementation with a direct with a vendor or with a system integrator in Ohio, and then you may six months later do a very similar implementation with the same vendor, same SI in California, and it's not good at all. Um, so that's one thing to know. They run by territories. Um, you can't pick your favorite team and have them do all your stuff every all over the world. Um, unfortunately, wherever they are, that's who's going to get deployed, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on where you're located. Um, and so I want to just say that, first of all, there's never any vendor or SI who always does a great job or always does a terrible job. It's just not that simple for one thing Um, first for so I'll give you an example one of the implementations that I've done in the last couple of years um, we had four vendors in the hunt Um, RFPs came back two of them kind of advanced you know into demos and so they had their showdown Um, and from a scoring perspective these two vendors pretty much were neck and neck. Do you know what I mean? Um, and even in the negotiation phase, and we're talking about price, they, they got to where they were, you know, within very little money of each other. Right. So at this point, you're looking at it like this is a really tough one. And the client ended up going for the better cultural fit, right? Right. Um, so that's an easier situation, but if you've got four vendors and it's narrowed down to three or two, one of them is like a plus and the rest of them are B or C, but the, the A plus is not a cultural fit. That's a, that's a tougher spot to be in, you know, um, a couple of questions. So I, the, the balance is, um, for me really understanding that you're going to be in a kind of a marriage with this vendor. Um, This is a very long, long long-term commitment with an ERP system, right? Or 10, 20, 30 years. I don't know. I'm I'm not married. So I don't, uh, (laughs) uh, I'm just kidding though, but really it is a relationship. So at some point, all these, the implementation team, all of us, everybody's going to roll off the project and then guess who's going to have to be in relationship together for a long time. So, if it's irre- you know irreconcilable, um, that's going to be a really big problem. The other thing is the sales team. Maybe you don't get along really well with the sales team. Well, that's not who's going to be doing your implementation. So ugh, it's really hard. It's really hard to know. Um, you know, I've had instances before where certain vendors um, or SIs were borderline condescending because they're up on all the newest technology. They live and breathe the technology and it's all modern. And then you walk into a a manufacturing facility where they've been running the same green screen legacy, legacy hotkey for 36 years. And they may not know a lot about technology, but they know more about manufacturing than anybody. And You've got some people, some vendors or SIs who are a little bit, you know, can be a little bit arrogant um, and that doesn't go over very well. And so, again, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. But you have to also remember that sales team, once they close the deal, they're gone. They're on to the next. So it could be that you're going to get along great with professional services, you know, the implementation team or the SI or whoever. So I didn't really answer your question because it, it's, it's a case by case. <laughs> I think it's very important.
0: Really? No, you did Our Our favorite answer. It depends because it truly does. And that's the point, as I always say, of those questions is really looking at that this is going to be your implementation. And you touched a little bit on project ownership. Um, but I wonder kind of as a follow up to that question, if you could expand on the importance of internalizing project ownership.
1: You mean with,
0: for the client or for? Yes. So the importance, we talk a lot here at Third Stage about not losing yourself to what the vendor says or what your partner or implementation that can be really something that's difficult, right? They are the experts. You want to lean on their support. But in some level, if you get too entrenched, either from a resource perspective or from a monetary perspective, you can really be in, in that trouble point that you had kind of just touched on. So I want to kind of explain to the audience from your perspective of the importance of understanding the project ownership and the internalization of the overall strategy.
1: I hope this doesn't sound self-serving, but I'm going to say it again. You need to have some type of um, neutral party involved, whether it's third stage or some other, like whoever, that's not the client and it's not the vendor and it's not the system integrator. It's someone else who can kind of look at the whole big picture because what happens is if you're in manufacturing, let's say, aerospace and defense, oil and gas, whatever, pick an industry. Maybe you don't know a lot about ERP software. And so it's very easy to defer all of your decisions to the experts, the vendors, the SIs, whatever. The problem with that is, if somebody's selling you more than you need or telling you the software does X, Y, Z, and maybe it doesn't do it exactly the way without $30,000 worth of customizations, let's say. Like these are the things that you you can easily be, and I hate to make it sound like vendors or anybody are doing anything bad, but it's easy to be manipulated or misled or sold, sold to. Um, what we say a lot to clients is you don't need that yet. You're not ready for that type of functionality. That's a phase three thing. Let's let's stay focused over here. Let's keep the scope and the budget. You know, so that would be, you know, for me the most important part because if you don't, the project could run away without you. <laughs> like I have seen that where clients find themselves on this merry-go-round and they can't get off of it because they sort of handed the keys over to the system integrator or the vendor, or whatever. Um and then you've got your you've got scope creep, your over budget, you've got all these customizations that you've got to now maintain. Um and then later you find out maybe you didn't even need those customizations uh necessarily. So that's why it's important. You've got to have the ownership, the steering committee, the the leadership, the Business process owners at every single level of the organization have got to have a seat at the table, um, and sometimes, all, well, all the time, everyone at these these companies are doing their day job. They're really busy, you know, and so sometimes it's easier to defer or to say, "Oh, we don't really know. You guys just, you know, tell us what's best practice. You know, what do other oil and gas companies do?" Type of deal. Um, I, that's a mistake, you know. You need to know your process and your people have to have a seat at the table to say, well, that may be best practice for the industry, but that's not how we do it. Um, and can the software meet us where we are in this area? So, yeah, it's it's really, it's really, really important. And I think a lot of a lot of times um, people are just too trusting. That's one of the reasons why project management and PMO is so important because every move that anyone makes needs to be documented. Um, A lot of times, especially being on, you know, we've been involved in many expert witness documentation is key. And so if you're from a PMO perspective, any change order, anytime something on the critical path gets into the yellow zone and it's communicated to the SI or the vendor, and it's not handled in a timely manner, which is which is their end of the, the deal, right? They're part of the contract. Um, and as we know, anytime you want to get out of a contract, it can get pretty litigious. And that's never where we want to go, um, but those are resources that we you know, have had to use, that clients have had to use. Um, so I would say as just an add-on to that is just to make sure that you're documenting um, everything, You know, the conversations, the changes, and um, obviously correspondence with the vendors and system integrators. Um, and that if things aren't being delivered that were it, part of your contract, uh, part of their scope of work, then you know you need to have a paper trail showing that
0: well and that is that's so easy to do especially if you actually you know made a financial commitment and you feel as though your statement of work and contract lays out all the different areas in which this supportive relationship will be but if you don't have kind of that insurance policy as we call it of those independent advisors that are are dedicated to your business goals their success is going to be your success in that in that piece then you really need um, that ability to kind of manage through that so i know you touched a little bit on kind of third stage pmo or having an independent um, and technology agnostic pmo but we kind of touched on some of our recent thought leadership of just not only the saturation of niche products, of interoperability products, of platform-based, all of these different solutions. So you have all of that, but then you also have all of these agendas um, and different pieces that you're managing. So our PMO, we call it mission control, is our mission control here, kind of takes that all, think of a mission control for a rocket ship and has kind of the control levelers of the project all in one place. So can you talk a little bit about what that looks like and the importance of having that kind of one lighthouse, um, of a PMO resource on a project?
1: We all come in with our own plan, right? Client knows what they're looking for. vendor, everybody has their own um, thing. And it's like, if I'm building a house, um, and I have, 17 contractors handling their specialty area, um, I need a foreman, I need a GC to kind of see everything together, the budget, the timeline, quality of the deliverables and the, you know, making sure that things like, and i switch back to the analogy of, you know, away from the house building and toward, you know, what we do, uh, which is, you know, data migration and training and, uh, you know, are we resourcing this project appropriately? Well, what if I'm only looking at that through the third stage lens? What if I'm only looking at it through the software vendor lens or the SI lens or the client lens? Well, that's what happens, right? Like we want to say that we're looking at the big picture, but when you get up caught up in the minutia of, of an implementation, um, it's easy to lose sight of the big picture and to, to really drill. Cause we have deliverables, we have demo, we have all kinds of stuff going on. We're really busy. And it, it gets, it gets hard to keep a big, you know, picture view. Um, and so to answer your question, we are going to look at all of that. We're going to manage really program management because we're managing many, many projects within a project. Um, and we're neutral, right? Again, We don't have an agenda. We don't care who you go with from a vendor or an SI perspective, as long as they make you happy (laughs) as the client. You know, does it fit your business requirements, your timeline, your budget, your culture? Um, Will you achieve the business outcomes that you're setting out to achieve? Like that's what we care about. Um, So for me, you know, it's, it's easy to get off into rabbit holes because these things get very complicated. They, they really do. And then you're bringing in other bolt ons and you've got a data migration team over here and you've got, it's just, it gets out of control very quickly. And so you really need somebody who's looking at the whole, um, the whole part and calling out risk before they turn into issues, right? Um, not just in our little world, third stage, but in the whole world of the project. And there's, you know, um, and it's cool because we we're not seen as the good cop or the bad cop or the it's. We're just sort of the neutral observer, right? We're doing things, we're managing things, we're alerting to risk, and we're and we're planning and all that kind of stuff. But if we say, "Hey, what's going on over here?" Um, If this falls behind, these other seven things are going to fall behind, it doesn't feel like it's not like an attack or anything. It's just an observation. That's what we're doing. That's why we're there. That's what PMO does. So.
0: Absolutely. And having a resource that has that 10,000 foot view of the project. Because a lot of times you can get so hyper focused as an internal team on one area that's in the green, this is going awesome. But then shifting over to maybe an organizational assessment or uh, a different piece in which you're like, oh, this is not actually performing at the level that we wanted it to perform at. But investing in that resource that can kind of see and then manage two partners and have the insight to managing two partners. Because it's one thing, you know, to feel as though you have that internal capability of, oh, I can manage outside vendors. That's a very normal process within our business. But have you done it for an actual software implementation? Because there's nuances to that. You mentioned something like data migration, which is a huge piece of a digital transformation. And you know, that's, that's something that, that you need to at least have that phase zero side of and that implementation plan around, but also being able to execute it in the way that you know you're going to have that visibility. Um, so I think that, you know, that's really, really critical um, to understanding that. And, and mission control is something a lot of times we do post-election just because we've had such a great relationship with a client or our partners and just moving through the synergy of the group. Um, we call it, you know, getting the band back together type of thing. So knowing the synergistics that we bring to it, and I know you know this well, Amanda, because you're not only one of our most top requested resources, but you also, you know, you're not to be trifled with on the the vendor side, right? Um, so can you kind of talk about the the way that Third Stage kind of works with our different partners in in that area and the importance of, you know, not only setting expectations, but having this energy to innovate and solve problems, solve critical problems that are going to on a hundred percent of the time within a digital transformation project.
1: My loyalty is always to the client. And I as long as I remember that, um, that makes my job well, not easy, but it makes my job clear i know i need to remember what my um objective is and i need to keep my ear close to the ground enough to know when something isn't right across all the partners and all the projects and all the subsets of projects and all the things but not be in the weeds i've got to also be able to see you know the big picture and then we have to be willing to be creative we have to be willing to pivot. Uh, If something isn't working, um, we have to be able to have tough conversations um, with the client sometimes or with the vendor or the SI. We are looking for um, problems, identifying problems before they become, you know, especially critical path, right? Before they have the ability to derail the project from any perspective, time, money, um, you know, accomplishing what the client wants. And when we see inconsistencies between what was sold and what is being delivered um, or anything else that causes issues for the client, you know, we are their advocate. Um, Because again, that relationship between the vendor and the client is going to be long-term. That's a marriage that's going to go on long after we're, you know, there. And so they need to learn how to work through their problems, through their disagreements, um, and make changes as necessary. But you've got to be willing to be creative too. Um, and to say no, and to push back and to say, we, that's not going to work for us. And you hear it all the time in Eric's videos and different people, you know, saying, do not let software squish you into some kind of box. Um, at the end of the day, probably 80% of the tech of the functionality is the same, <laughs> like in most of these ERP, you know, but then it depends, right? Are you a process manufacturer? Are you in apparel? Are you, what, are, what is it that you're doing? And you need that, that, that specialty sometimes. And sometimes it's not with the vendor who's put it, who's standing up your ERP system. Sometimes it is some type of, you know, specialty, uh, composable ERP as we've been talking about a lot. Um, And again, an SI, a vendor may have their plan for you when they come in and that may not, that may not be the best plan. Um, So I think having the ability and the confidence to speak up for your business and say, we appreciate your advice and we understand what you're saying. But for us, we're not gonna change this process. We're gonna keep this process the way it is and we need your software to accommodate us instead of the other way around. Um, and then have somebody to have your back, right? Third stage, have, have somebody to um, enforce that and to make sure that the client is protected. Um, and nine times out of 10, everybody plays very nicely together. But when they don't, we can deal with that too
0: yeah help to troubleshoot i think one of our clients said it great in a case study we did of really healing the relationship if there is a relationship you're really struggling with third stage a lot of times can come in and help triage that that's the goal right to keep everyone together and and to move timelines um you know or make the project healthy again um so the final thoughts here amanda that i want to ask you about is if you do feel as though you're in a situation where the partner is not working As kind of a conclusion to this conversation, what are some things you can do as a business to address that when you have um, an actual partner that's that may not be in the best standing or you don't feel as though you have that synergy with them? What are some troubleshooting tactics?
1: The first thing I would I would advise is to meet with your neutral advisors, Um, you know, like like when we're involved and this comes up, it's an internal, it's a conversation with the client and us of, of, let's just really take stock of what's going on um, so that we understand. Sometimes it could be the team, the specific team uh, for that SI. Other times, maybe it's just the SI in general that it's just not gonna, you know, work. And then you've got to start thinking about, you know, renegotiating or, or getting out of certain agreements um, that that can get that can get pretty complicated pretty quickly. I haven't been involved in too many of those. Generally when that comes up we are able to salvage the relationship and to get back on track we may need to switch out some people. We may need to make some changes on a team level um but you know that would be my first advice is to you know consult with us first and then maybe we go talk to them to the vendor or the si on the client's behalf um but it really just depends on what the problem is what are the problems what's what's the issue sometimes it can be salvaged and um Sometimes maybe not, but when you're in, when you enter into contracts with people, um, you know, it's not always easy to untangle from them.
0: Absolutely. It's actually one of the hardest things to do. And we know that a lot from our expert witness work, which is why, you know, that prep work and understanding those, again, nuances of being quote unquote trapped into a conversation or a relationship um, contractually is is really dangerous Um, and that's when our friends like taf law or marcus harris gets involved and um, we do some expert witness work but the goal is to always kind of avoid that right um and avoid all of those different pieces so that you know those are some great insights to kind of follow up on amanda's conversation we have our phase zero planning checklist which is available on um, our thought leadership section of the website, and you can scan the QR code on your screen. That is a free download that kind of takes you through each one of these. Um, You can also go on our um, vendor relations playlist on our YouTube channel, um, and that gives you a a bunch of different content from our thought leaders and our team here globally at third stage to look at how do you actually have a dynamic and successful relationship with a partner that you know has a specific agenda. Um, so we have a variety of different keynotes and videos that we've we've done on that. So definitely check that out if this conversation resonates with you. But thank you so much, Amanda, for joining us today. Um, You're welcome. And we know thank you. That, yeah, we'll see you again, of course, um, now that you are um, a director here at third stage. So congratulations again on that. And then um, you thank can you. <laughs> yeah you can tune into more of Amanda or our podcasts by visiting um, either transformationgroundcontrol.com or our short form podcast. You can find anywhere you get podcasts, which is Digital Stratosphere. Um, So thank you so much, and we will see you next time.
1: Learn more about us and download independent reports, videos, and other best practices at thirdstage-consulting.com.